0: Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show.
1: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
2: We've got the first week of the Fantasy Football Playoffs underway. A wild fantasy game last night maybe didn't play out the way that everybody thought. We'll talk about that as Fantasy Sports Today starts now.
1: sports today.
2: Hey, good afternoon. Welcome in. This is Fantasy Sports Today here on FNTSY Radio here on Sports Grid. Hope you guys are having a great week, a great Friday. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving as well. Craig Mish here live with you for the next hour or two. What am I saying? We got two hours of a show here, of course, every Friday. Hit me up on Twitter at Craig Mish for sure. We got Jamie Eisenberg coming up a little bit later in the show. We're going to go over everything that happened last night. We'll look ahead toward the weekend. As always, Sean Guastamacchia is producing the program. Good to talk to Sean as well. we got Chris Bavona helping out here as well. And uh, fantasy football playoffs getting underway last night. I always wonder at this uh, time of the year uh, how many people are still really in – I know that 100% of the people are engaged in football. Okay, That I get. And there's still a lot of NFL to be played. College, of course, this is – This is the last real week of the season because the next week you have Army-Navy and then the bowl games begin. So two weeks basically from, I believe it is today actually, the first uh, bowl games begin on Friday, two weeks from today. Uh, But I wonder how many folks are still engaged in the fantasy aspect of football. I've always wondered, we 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 always have these numbers from the FSGA and the FSWA of how many people are playing fantasy. One day, I would love to know like a ratings breakdown, meaning that how many people are playing in September, October, November, December, how many people are still paying attention from August to September to October to November, December. I'm not, I'm never really clear on that and sure because I feel like we still talk a lot of football. But the way that I've always felt about this, it's kind of strange, is that. I I am not the kind of person that's going to play in 10 fantasy football leagues. There may be a best ball or a guillotine league, as you know, for those of you who listen to the show that I've done. But when I am done in fantasy football and in the two main leagues that I'm playing in, one I am out, okay? When I'm done, I am not interested at all in fantasy. And for many, many years, what I used to do is I used to even still – uh, pay attention to radio shows like these and and uh, digital and podcasts. And, and and I was still curious as to what people thought and what I thought of fantasy. But for some reason, like this is one of the things that when I get knocked out, I'm kind of mad. And I'm not really uh, curious anymore as to how the other people in the league are doing. That's another question I would have for those of you who are knocked out. Do you still pay attention to the scores of the playoffs from your buddies, like if you're playing in a 12-team league, let's say six teams make it, are you checking the scores like you are during the season? I would guess not. And so I've always wondered where the when the shift becomes. And this is not a shift to baseball, by the way, in December. Don't mistake that for me saying all of a sudden now you guys got to pay a lot more attention to baseball. I'm not stupid. It's the same thing that I would say in uh, June and July. I don't think anybody's paying attention to football either. I'm not saying you should be shifting to baseball, what I'm saying is, what do you shift to at this point? Do you get in bowl pools? Are you interested in that? Uh, is it just holiday time? You get away from fantasy and you stop completely. I've I've always been been kind of curious about that because I feel like it's back in the day when you had a girlfriend that you're dating for months and then you're done. It's like you don't want you don't care you don't want to see what that person has gone on to and done. It's like I feel like it's this. I feel like it's the same concept. Like I'm not like I lost like I'll give you an example. So, in one of the leagues that I'm playing in, we're in the playoffs. Last night, uh, I had uh, Alan Robinson went against Amari Cooper, so felt really good about that for about 90 minutes, and really bad about it in about in about 10 minutes. And in another league that I'm in, there's this big controversy because four teams finished seven and six, and I did, and I was one of them, and I didn't make the playoffs because we have some stupid antiquated rule about head-to-head matchups, and we ended up changing the rule on Monday. Because everyone was so upset. Didn't help me. It'll help me for next year. Didn't help me for this year. But I am not logging into that league to see what everyone is doing in round one. I don't care. I'm out. And so here I am as a fantasy content provider. And I really wonder, those of you who are listening are kind of saying, like, we we still are in, like, for people who are in the playoffs, I get you. You are totally engaged. And I get the messages, of course, on social media and email and texting. I get it all the time. Um, but I, but I wonder like to what degree you would actually pay attention to. And it's, and it's also the kind of thing where I feel like everybody who wins their fantasy football championship, they remember. But if you asked yourself, like if you're playing in a home league, I've been playing in the same home league for almost 30 years. Uh, three months after the season ends, I probably couldn't tell you who ended up winning our league the year before. Cause I don't have the trophy and I don't care. Maybe that's a bad take on that. So so how do we keep the conversation going? I think sports betting is a big way of that because that just never ends. It continues. Is starting up a playoff league the way to do it? Um, you know, I've participated the last decade in the fantasy football playoff leagues where it's one and done. You pick the, you pick the player, he gets knocked out, you're out. Kind of like Guillotine style. But I, I don't know that we've ever had that programming or interest dynamic to how we fill our time and how we fill our interest outside from sports betting, which I think is the way to go this time of the year. But if you're not a better, and not everybody is, what is it that fills your time starting, let's say, a week from today or a week from, uh, or like this coming Monday, all the way through uh, spring training in baseball? What is it? Is it, that's it, right? It's not NBA for me. I like college basketball, but that's not going to occupy my time like it is in the NFL, and college football is just not going to. So uh, bowl season is great, but we're we're coming to a time where there's that dynamic of what is it that captivates us? What is it that has us tuning into radio and podcasts and digital and reading? Like, what is it that is our interest? And let me know at Craig Mish on Twitter. I'm curious. What is it that moves the needle for you? Because I don't think that anybody's ever really had the answer to that in sports, and hopefully sports gambling is the way to go. Because, as you know, that's uh, that's something that I'm a big believer in. Okay, uh, quick time out of the show. Opening drive coming up next, and then we got trust or bust. Don't go away.
1: Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mitch. Fantasy Sports Today presents. First play from scrimmage. The opening drive.
0: The first play
1: of the game.
2: Welcome back. This is the opening drive on Fantasy Sports today for December 6, 2019. It is great to be back with you here on the show. We had last week off because of Thanksgiving Day holiday. We'll tell you about our holiday schedule coming up soon. we got a bull preview coming up. And just as a reminder, for those of you who listen to the show every day, make sure you tune in Monday, noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, as Bernie Pleskoff, Joe Pizzapia, and I – We'll be talking a lot of baseball. I'll be live at the winter meetings uh, in San Diego, California. So we'll be covering that Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Lots of baseball to discuss. Hopefully we'll uh, get some news. We'll do some early drafting. We'll take a look at some position players. Bernie Pleskoff, former scout, of course, of Major League Baseball. Very big fantasy fan as well. We'll have some uh, good opinions, I think, and, and help you get started for the fantasy baseball season, which we will be covering Extensively here on FNTSY Radio, so we will certainly do that. Okay, so first down here has got to be the football game last night, right? And it was kind of sad, no college football, right? All oh, Thursday night college football, we've had three months of it, and I was I was flipping around. I'm wondering I'm like, where where's my college football on Thursday night? There was none. Now we got a game tonight between Oregon and Utah, so okay, that's cool. But last night we only had one choice, and the only choice was to watch the Dallas Cowboys uh, fall apart again. And and it's interesting to me in the NFL, how in life too we hunt the negative. You know, we like the train wrecks, and no one really this morning is talking about, or this afternoon is talking about the Bears, right? (laughs) No, no one, no one is talking about how all of a sudden they've won two games in a row. They went to Detroit. They won on Thanksgiving. They beat Dallas. Uh, look, are the Bears probably gonna make the playoffs. No, probably not. But they they're starting to salvage things a little bit in their season, which was like an epic disaster. That it looks like it's okay. It's a shame that that is the case. But yeah, we're more focused on what has gone wrong with Dallas. And and I'll talk to Jamie Eisenberg about this. We'll do a full segment on this game coming up in about an hour from now. But my two cents on it is this: uh, you know, most people can do radio shows. They can do television shows and and they could break down and tell you exactly what's wrong and they could pre- I got to tell you i the, the cowboys are an enigma i cannot figure out what in the world's going i mean you're telling me that this is all jason garrett this is all bad coaching I, I don't. I mean, for me, it's not. Maybe they're just not good. I mean, maybe that's just what it is. Maybe Prescott is okay and Cooper is above average and Elliott is not as good as he was last year. Their defense doesn't look very good either. Maybe they're just an average team. Now, the stats and the metrics point to Dallas being a top-ten team in the NFL. Why they're not there? Smarter people than me would have the answer to that. And I got to tell you, last night, they salvaged once again because they salvage usually every game Dallas does. They're coming back, it feels like, in every game. But they salvage the fantasy day for you. But the reality of their season is I cannot believe that they're still in this thing literally with a chance to win the division. And all they basically have to do is beat the Eagles coming up in a couple of weeks. That's just insane. So as bad as the Eagles have played, I know they're making fun that the Redskins, you know, the Redskins could have the first pick of the draft or the Redskins could make the playoffs. I get it. That's not, you know, that's not happening. So. Probably an 8-8 eight eight NFC East team hosting the, uh, you know, the, the loser of the NFC West between the San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks, right? Like that that one of those teams is going to have to go on the road and travel to Dallas or or Philadelphia, which is crazy. So we start off with that here on first down. On second down, and we'll dive into this a little bit more also in the second hour of the show, it has been a pretty active hot stove for Major League Baseball. Now, the conspiracy theorist in me, honestly, and, you know, I, when it comes to baseball, I tried not to go down this road. But the conspiracy theorist, uh, theorist in me is telling me that this is not a coincidence, that all of a sudden, why is the month of December of 2019 way different than 2018? Do you realize how many players are signing and getting traded right now? Like, literally, we did not have a single Zach Wheeler story all of last year until February. There was nothing. There was no trade. Nothing was happening. A lot of rumors, of course. But then everything percolated into January and February. But this year, it feels a lot different, and that's good. This is what baseball needs. Now, there are also some cynics who are saying it's a shame that all of these things got done now and not at the actual winter meetings next uh, next week. But I got to tell you, the way that this is trending, it feels like uh, potentially some more things can happen Now, uh, as far as the Padres go, it feels like all of these years of the Padres just rebuilding and building their farm system and, you know, one of the best young players in the game and Fernando Tatis Jr., one of the best young pitchers in the game and Chris Paddock, it feels like this is their year that they have determined to go all in. Reminds me a little bit of the Chicago White Sox over in the American League, how they're chasing down all these free agents. They're not necessarily getting them all, but they're putting themselves in a better position to compete and when you look at the division specifically for the padres adding tommy fam does that win them a world series certainly not does it make them th- their team better of course it does 20 home runs 20 steals fantasy perspective top five round pick i don't think that that changes all that much very inconsistent player great in april terrible in may great in june terrible in july he's a weird weird dynamic and some of it has to do unfortunately with his eyesight i believe but uh, Fam puts the Padres into, I think, the wild card conversation in the National League. Because let's get real: the San Francisco Giants are best off at this point, completely tanking and getting out of this thing. There is no point of the Giants even trying. They've been doing this for years by signing a lot of high-priced free agents. Uh, you know, it, it's over for them, and it's it's fine. It's a, it's the one of the best fan bases in the country. They need to take the year off. They're not better than Arizona. They're not better than San Diego. They're not better than L.A. They're not better than 12 other teams in the National League. So uh, my summary from that, probably a better trade for the Rays eventually with the prospect that they're getting back and also Hunter Renfro. But for the time being, this does make San Diego more relevant in the National League, although every time the Rays trade a player, I always wonder if they're getting the better of the deal. That is for sure. So that's second down. Uh, Third down. Another curious story that I found, this has nothing to do with sports, but a little bit of uh, pop culture, perhaps. Uh, I saw this on uh, on Yahoo. Alanis Morissette. Now, uh, for those of you who were 90s kids, and I was an 80s kid, but those of you who are 90s kids, Alanis Morissette had a very big album. Now, she's made a lot of music through the years, but we would call it a very big album called Jagged Little Pill. There were like seven big hits from that album. It was her first one. Uh, you know, she was a very good singer, of course, for many, many years. But that was, you know, her debut album was, was her biggest fame, claim the fame. And she's going on tour and celebrating uh, that album uh, in June of 2020. So, you know, she's doing some media and she is basically talking about her life and talking about different things. And one of the quotes that she mentioned was that she was not allowed to look Vanilla Ice in the eye while touring with him. Which I found was really bizarre. Now, you remember, back when Alanis Morissette was very popular in the 90s, Vanilla Ice was also super popular, too. So this isn't now where, Vanilla, where I would think that Alanis Morissette would be the headline of Vanilla Ice. You know, it's just basically – who, by the way, lives in uh, southern Florida here, not far from me, about an hour. Uh, but for whatever reason, that was something that she brought up, that she uh, not allowed to look Vanilla Ice in the eye while touring with him. And so a good way to get attention – Her tour will start in uh, January, excuse me, in June of 2020. And then uh, we end the opening drive here on 4th Down. And a uh, very much big thank you to the FSGA, the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, for nominating, nominating me as the Sports Betting Analyst of the Year with several other very highly qualified people, And the announcement will be made in January. There is a fan vote right now. If you go to the FSGA website, you can vote for me or anybody else. But thank you so much to them. Thank you to the great team here that we have at Sports Grid. And, of course, thank you to Fantasy Alarm and Wager Alarm for allowing me to do these sports betting live streams that I do every Tuesday and Friday night with Howard Bender where we go over the Golden Nugget uh, fantasy, uh, excuse me, betting contest and the Las Vegas Westgate Super Contest. And that's very important to me for you guys to know that uh, I'm nominated for this award, but I take the picks very seriously. And if you're not involved in any kind of contests and you're just talking about betting without actually doing any betting and actually putting any money where your mouth is, well, then it's just really steam, man. It's just kind of hot take radio. So very proud of what we've been able to accomplish in a short period of time, both here at Sports Grid and over at Wager Alarm as well. We'll come back next. We got Trust or Bust. We'll take a look at the fantasy landscape for the weekend. I'm Craig Mish. This is Fantasy Sports Today. And I would ask that you don't go away. And we'll be back in just a couple of minutes right here on FNTSY Radio. Don't go away.
1: DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish. Do you trust
2: me? Trust. Do you trust me? Or
1: bust?
2: You are so busted. You're in. All right, welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish back with you. Happy Friday. It definitely is a happy Friday as I get to chill out here in South Florida this weekend and then I'm on the road next week in San Diego for the baseball winter meetings. I hope you guys will tune in to our programming monday tuesday and wednesday and then i'll head back to south florida and i believe i will be back here on thursday i you know we'll, we'll kind of have to see how that goes if not uh, of course my co-host joe pizapia will be here and joe will be on the shows too on monday tuesday wednesday he'll be in new jersey uh you know he'll be covering and watching a lot of the football i will be traveling a lot on sunday so for the first time all football season all college and pro going all the way back to august Uh, Any football that I'll have is going to have to be of the streaming variety from a plane, which is fine. I don't mind that. So uh, I think I probably get to watch about an hour of football early on Sunday, and then i got to head to the airport and get over to San Diego. So uh, we'll talk more about that next week. Let's bring in our producer and host of At the Betting Window, Sean Guastamachia, who's ready to roll with our little trust or bust segment for the week. Are you in any fantasy playoffs, Sean, or have you no. been eliminated? Where do you stand? Done. None. Eliminated. But Done. We, yeah, I'm finished. Yeah. But still have the— uh, So you heard my little opening diatribe. Well yes. What, what piques your interest this time of the year? Betting.
3: Sports wagering on games. That's basically what gets me okay. involved. Other than that aspect, though, as far as sports are concerned, once the college football season wraps up— and, the, and what I mean by that is after this weekend, championship weekend, I'll pay mm. more attention to the NBA— And once Christmas begins, then the NBA will become more important
2: to me. That's really the – yeah, the NBA on Christmas Day becomes the big benchmark. Uh, It's kind of like the second start to the NBA season. I I agree with you. But the Knicks –
3: they're horrible, so it's hard to – Again,
2: the Knicks have been horrible for how many years? I mean,
3: they're even worse than that. Well, I mean, last year they were bad, but, I mean –
2: They were bad. They have
3: no effort. I mean, it's just Fisdale needs to go, but – We'll see what happens. She has two more years. Isdell,
2: I, I, I couldn't even tell you who the coach of the Knicks was before Fizzdale. Yeah, well,
3: he was a Miami assistant for years before he went to Memphis. No, nope. yep.
2: you know that I know. Yeah, yeah. but who was the coach? Of, who was the coach of the Knicks before this? Hornacek. Don Nelson?
3: <laughs> no, Jeff Hornacek. Yeah, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> Hornacek? I know. It's really. Yeah. It's. it's been a bad wasn't run.
2: Phil Jack? Oh, Phil Jackson uh, was. Wasn't Phil Jackson the Knicks coach for a little bit? No. 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 With no. the president. President. The president. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, they've gone through so much.
3: Uh, Donnie Walsh. They've gone. Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, they've been through a lot of guys. Isaiah Thomas. That's right. I forgot yeah, about Zeke. that. Uh, yeah. Where is
2: Zeke these days?
3: Uh, NBA TV, NBA TV. He's an analyst. That's
2: exactly where he should be.
3: That's exactly exactly right. Right.
2: Yeah, Um, he was the coach of FIU basketball. You remember that? Yeah, but
3: that lasted what, like a year? Like what happened there? One year. I thought he would. Yeah.
2: No. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Yeah. All right. All right. So you want to play trust or Bust here, Sean? Yes. Let's do it. All right. We don't Um, have. We don't. You know, we only have a few weeks left of this. That's right. I know the season's coming to an end. It is
3: next weekend, right? Fantasy playoffs.
2: uh no, two more weeks. Two Ch- more weeks. The champ. Uh, well, I I would say that if, if you ask me right now, of uh, if you polled a hundred people who are playing fantasy football since the beginning of the season, I would say that you probably have about forty percent of the people that started that are still you know relatively engaged. That number after this week goes down significantly. It goes right. down to about 20 percent, and then of course you have the championship after that. So this is really. Uh, a big week and then next week's okay and then it's all focusing on the actual nfl playoffs as opposed to the uh fantasy playoffs but you're right okay so let's uh let's roll out some trust or bust for the week shall we all right
3: let's do it all right philip Lindsay, denver broncos running back Mm. against the houston texans why i say that philip Lindsay struggled this year but texans defense gives up a lot of fantasy points to running backs
2: yeah, I will trust Lindsey. Uh, it looks like Denver has moved a little bit away from using Royce Freeman, which is probably more of the reason why I like Freeman, uh, why I like Lindsey. Because if uh, Lindsay's going to get his, let's say, 23 to 25 touches, I feel like he's, he's close to that every week. And the way that Denver plays is they just lull you to sleep. They just continue to run the ball. And even last week when... Uh, when Drew Locke came in, he threw a couple of nice passes to Cortland Sutton. He caught them both for touchdowns. But look at look at his overall numbers. Drew Locke's overall numbers were really not that impressive. I think they're going to have to lean heavily on the running game here. And even if Houston wins the game, Denver seems to play these very low-scoring, boring games, which is very conducive to good games from the running back. So, given that and the fact that Freeman looks like he's being phased out, I got to tell you, I'm sure Freeman will go into camp. With the Broncos next year, that's not unreasonable. I think there's a chance Freeman is, is done. I, I, I think that he just looks like he could be a bust. Man. Yeah. So big bust. Um yeah. So I mean look, I, I think he goes into camp with Denver, but I could see him either somewhere else or being done. I see he's just he's 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 a plotter. He's not a fast running back, doesn't really break tackles, doesn't score a lot of touchdowns. What does he do well? I'm not sure. sure. So I'll say I trust Lindsay. All
3: right, let's move on. Benny Snell. I know Dr. Roto loves Benny Snell this week against the Arizona Cardinals. Do you trust Benny Snell?
2: Yeah, I've been a big fan of Benny Snell since college at Kentucky. Uh, I've talked about him now going on a year. I own him in a dynasty league, drafted him in the third round of my dynasty league. People thought that Benny Snell was too slow. People thought that Benny Snell can't catch passes. And you know what? Some of that's probably true, but he is a high character kid. He rushed for 1,700 yards and fifteen touchdowns in the SEC at Kentucky against the best talent in the country. and everyone wanted a crap on him. and I don't get it. There are some players that you got to go back and look at the college tape and understand that there's going to be good players in the NFL. Uh, for one week, if you're asking me this question, it's it's a little bit of a dicey situation because Arizona struggles a lot through the air. They're okay against the run, and I think that the Cardinals are going to bounce back this week after that horrible game against the Rams uh, last week. So if Benny Snell gets you 80 yards and a touchdown, which is 15 points, then I certainly think that that's startable, and I think that that is reasonable, but I still would say that uh, I I think 2020 is a, a year for Benny Snell to really become a good running back, both in the NFL and in fantasy. I don't know that Connor can hold up. So uh, I will say trust and agree with my friend, Dr. Roto. (laughs) But I'm certainly not not as bullish on him as uh, as some other guys. Roto, for
3: All right. uh, Devin Singletary, we always ask about him against the Ravens this week. I Mm -hmm. mean, he's had really good performances the last couple of uh, weeks for Devin Singletary. But Ravens, tough defense. You trust him this week.
2: That's true. Yeah, I do. I do. We're three for three here. Uh, look, it was – I didn't – like. look, I followed Singletary's career at Florida Atlantic. And at the beginning of the season, I've also followed uh, Frank Gore's career from the University of Miami to San Francisco to um, the Dolphins now to but the Buffalo Bills. And Frank Gore is going to be a presence on any team he plays on. It's very evident that Buffalo knew this, and Buffalo wanted to give Singletary – basically like a quarterback in the NFL months to figure it out and that could mean from a blocking scheme it could be from a touches scheme I don't know the answer to that but now is the time Singletary looks good Singletary looks like a startable player the problem was is that he wasn't a startable player for the first nine ten weeks of the season and he also had an injury so uh, next year you're gonna be looking at a stud in fantasy, I think. Probably a second round pick, I would guess, in fantasy. Uh with with or without Gore. I think Gore will probably play next year, but now they obviously see that uh, that Singletary is dynamic and he's very good. And by the way, Sean, I will trust him. I also trust the Bills this week. I think they got a shot good. to beat the Baltimore Ravens. I do take I, I don't feel Yeah, I don't feel as good about it as I did yesterday, because clearly and and I don't like to look at what teams do the week before, or other teams versus other teams, but there are, you you cannot say that the Bills win against the Cowboys is as impressive today as it was yesterday because after you know, I agree with that last yep. night against the Bears, you, you have to at uh-huh. least acknowledge that. But still, if the Ra- if the Ravens are going to stumble, this this would probably be the one where they'd have to go into a tough environment. And it seems like teams are starting to make adjustments to Lamar Jackson in the second half of games. And I thought San Francisco had a great blueprint for him in the second half, and I wonder if anybody could go watch film, smarter people than me, and figure that out. So, But I'll still trust Singletary this week. I'll say uh, 14 carries, 78 yards, one touchdown. I was going to make a bad joke, but I'll move on. All right, uh, James okay.
3: Washington. Do you trust him with Duck Hodges starting at quarterback for the Steelers against Arizona?
2: Yeah, um, yeah, I'll pass on, on James Washington. A Nice little run. Yeah, nice little run for James Washington for sure. But you have to have some brass stones, I think, to start him in a fantasy. And we're talking about fantasy football playoffs now, Sean. This isn't like you know, have no choice. I'm not going to do that. Uh, and I, I wouldn't start Deontay Johnson either. And I will acknowledge that Washington, since about week five, week six, has basically graded out like a wide receiver, too the entire season, and and some of that is the fact that Juju has been hurt as well, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he's not playing this week again. Uh, I like Arizona this week, though. I think they bounce back also. I think that the Steelers uh, have had a great season. I give them a lot of credit for playing as well as they have, but I don't see them as a playoff team, and I certainly don't see them as a road favorite in any game this year. That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. So I will say uh, Washington busts out this week probably... Uh, the other way, I'll say three catches, forty yards, and sit.
3: One more, Brandon Cooks against the uh, Seattle Seahawks. You starting them this week? Trust nah, I Bustick? can't do it. Nah, I nope. can't
2: do it. Doesn't doesn't look like the same guy. Not being targeted nearly as much. There's got to be health concerns for him. I don't see why he would play next year. He's had a nice career in the NFL. Uh, probably some things unfulfilled with him. Played on the Patriots. Played on the Saints. Played on the Rams. You know, there's there's a reason why a guy gets traded so often. If a guy is so valuable, why do they do that? And that's no indictment on him, but there's always going to be that concern that he has another concussion. I don't feel like he's a big part of the game plan anymore. Last week, we saw a big effort to get the ball to the tight end in Higby, probably because it was against Arizona. Last week, we also saw efforts to get the ball more into Cooper Cup's hands. And don't forget, uh, Robert Woods had some personal issues, but that's a guy that's had two bye weeks, essentially, just playing on uh, fresh legs, and he showed that last week, 13 catches for 170 yards so uh cooks I think is uh, is no longer fantasy relevant anymore and if he does play in the NFL next season I certainly hope he gets healthy because uh, yeah, it's been a tough go of it for concussions with him all right we'll take a quick time out here on fantasy sports today much more to come including J.B. Eisenberg in our number two interview with John Lobb Gary Danielson also was on at the betting window with Sean Previews the SEC championship between uh, Georgia and LSU. Who will win that game? Find out. Don't go away.
0: Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? Sports Grid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid.
1: Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish.
3: Gary Danielson, lead voice for the SEC on CBS, calling the bi- the SEC title game this Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern time between Georgia and LSU. Gary, welcome back to the show. Sean, Drew, and Jamie here in midtown Manhattan. Drew is in Las Vegas. How's it going today? And what'd you make of the latest college football rankings? Do you have any disagreement with what the committee uh, chose yesterday as their top teams?
4: Yeah, hi. Hi, y'all. Hi, Sean. Hi, um, Sean. You know, basically no. I, you know, I'm not a, a big fan of the the weekly rollout TV show. Um, it does appear that the committee is working very hard to place different teams in different bowl scenarios, and you know, I, I assume it's very complicated. I know most all of these people that are on the committee. You know, they're uh, beyond impeccable. They care about college football. They're trying to get it right. It's not an easy job. Uh, sometimes I think. They're uh, making sure teams are slotted a certain way so that uh, they can get the teams they want into some of the bowl game matchups that they think would be good for all the teams concerned. So I wouldn't worry about it too much. I I think at the end they're going to put the four teams in there that they think are the best four representatives of the college football. I I do not buy. There's a lot of talking going on that the brands get a break. I get it. The, most of the brands have a lot of good football players, and you're in and you're out. They play well, but I can assure you, if I I believe knowing these people, that if they think that Baylor is the fourth best team or Utah is the fourth best team, they will put them there.
3: All right, because one of the discussions that people have been talking about is Utah versus Oklahoma. If the teams in front win out, and then you have a battle between Utah and Oklahoma for that fourth and final spot, Oklahoma. Right. Will have the edge because of their brand, right? It's a bigger brand, and no one wants to see Utah. I, no, I don't. I don't agree. With, you I don't, don't agree with that, right?
5: I don't.
4: No, I don't agree with that at all. I, I, I think that that is, not uh, treating these people with respect. They're on this committee. I, like I said, I know them. I know if I was on the committee, yeah, that would not waver waver me at all. I would look at the teams that I thought played the toughest schedule, had the best year, and were the top four teams. And I, I, I don't see how you. Can try to impugn people uh, and and think that they're trying to make a TV show. I think that's a leap too far for me. Drew?
6: Uh, Gary, yeah, this is Drew Martin. Great to have you on again. I mean, I I 100% agree with you, not being a fan of the TV show. And also, I, I do have the feeling that, you know, people are moving Oklahoma and Utah pretty close there, one right after the other. And and you fact you, you did speak about knowing people on the committee and them not going that route. But do you think there's anything to the college football committee cutting out the West Coast for multiple years and kind of the dollars and growing the college football brand in the future? It might actually be smarter to put the Utes in the top four.
4: No, I don't think they're going to do that. I, I know there's everybody's trying to read a lot into this. Uh, I think it's a hard job, and I, there's no way. I do this. Uh, I've been watching tape for uh, 25 years, roughly, doing this in a broadcaster. I did it for a professional, as a professional quarterback, uh, watching tape. I'm pretty confident that I don't know whether Oklahoma is better than Utah or Utah is better than Oklahoma or Baylor, and I don't think anybody else does by looking at tape. It's a tough job. They're required to look at everything in front of them and make a decision, and I don't believe they're going to let any outside uh, – little argument about college football be brought aboard now i do think it's you know it's kind of tough for utah i mean right now they're sitting there in that fifth spot and should lsu beat georgia the assumption is the battle will be between the big 12 champ and the Pac 12 champ and how do you define it it's it's cutting it so thin and it's ironic to me that because uh Oregon decided to play Auburn instead of playing, I don't know, Eastern Washington State, if there is such a team, Uh, that somehow hurts Utah. That doesn't make sense to me, but that's the crazy world of college football we live in.
5: Yeah, Gary, hi, this is Jamie Kelton. We were just talking a lot about the teams outside of the top four. I want to ask you about the teams inside the top four. We got some really choice, uh, pungent words from Davos Swinney this week about Clemson being disrespected. Um, What do you make of what he said? Are you on board with that? Um, Do you think he's still just trying to push the the Roy bus a little further? Um, Uh What's going on down there in Clemson? Why do they feel disrespected? They're undefeated and they're in the playoff. Yeah, yeah, Jamie, it's a good question. I think sometimes the coaches
4: get a lot of information uh, secondhand, what people are saying about their team. Uh, and I think over the course of the year, he, he got a little bit tired of hearing about that his team's not playing well, that if they were in any other conference, they would not be in the hunt. And, I, you know, I think he points to his schedule and the games he's won, and he beat two SEC teams this year. And he goes, you know, really, what do you want us to do here? And and I think it's more he's protecting his football players, his program, and a little bit his conference. It, to me, he got a little bit out over his skis. But, you know, these guys work 100 hours a week. They love the kids that play for them. So, and you know, overall i don't think it makes much of a difference if and this is why i'm not a big brand guy uh, you know hey if minnesota would have beaten wisconsin and would have beaten ohio state they would have been in the final four now tell me mm-hmm. that that's a brand you know I, it's it's just the way this thing is set up the good players go to the good schools if you watch the season all year i don't think it would be it would be tough to argue that ohio state Clemson and LSU had the best seasons, and they pretty much have the best players. You might want to throw Alabama in there, but they got their quarterback hurt, and that's just the way it goes this year.
3: Talking with Gary Danielson, lead voice for the CBS SEC title game. He will call the action this Saturday between LSU and Georgia, 4 p.m. Eastern time on your local CBS affiliate. Gary, before we get to that game and preview that game with you, I have to ask. I mean, you were a Big Ten quarterback for Purdue. You called games in the Big Ten. I'm sure you watched. I know you were busy on Saturday with the Iron Bowl, but I'm sure you you watched some of the Michigan-Ohio State game. What's going on? What is going on there in Michigan and Jim Harbaugh? And do you see uh, any light at the end of the tunnel for that program going forward? Can they finally get to winning a Big Ten championship, something they haven't (laughs) done since 2004?
4: Yeah, I know a, a lot of Michigan people. I grew up in Michigan. Uh, you're right. I covered a lot of games. They're, they're, it's not like they're going to go away, but they right now it's been a, a tough slump for them. You know, uh, to me, the hire of Jim Harbaugh, a guy I love, and I thought would do great job at Michigan, and I and he's doing a good job. I mean, he's he can't get by Ohio State. I get it. You know, and they haven't played what Michigan fans hope would be that style of ball, but to beat the top elite teams. But two years ago, they were a fourth down call away from winning that game. Yep. This year, I picked them to make the playoffs. I, I thought that they would get there. I thought they had the schedule to get there. But I, like you, was a little bit shocked watching that game. And I'm going to go back just a half a paragraph prior and give a lot of credit to Urban Meyer. Um, you know, I've been following Urban for a long time, since he basically since he was an assistant coach at Notre Dame, head coach at Bowling Green, I think he built the Utah program into being strong enough to get into the Pac-12. Without him there, he, they might never be in the, the Pac-12. He rebuilt uh, Florida and kick the SEC's run of national championships with his tough football. And then he's taken a program that always had great players at Ohio State. I mean, look at any NFL game and count the number of Ohio State players playing in an NFL game. You'll be shocked sometime. But he seems to me have taken them to a new level. And, uh, you know, they're, they're playing top-of-the-line football right now. And, and Jim has to take that next step. And nobody loves Michigan more and more intense than Jimmy. And, you know, he's just got to get it a little bit more right.
6: Gary, did want to uh, ask you about the Saturday game you will be calling there in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, 4 o'clock Eastern, talking Georgia Bulldogs versus the LSU Tigers. Um, breaking this game down, you know, LSU in terms of the teams they've struggled with, you know, the Auburn game, 23 to 20, only winning by a field goal at home. When you talk about profile and Georgia's defense, possibly being there, uh, kind of in line there with Auburn's defense, do you think Georgia can give them as much trouble defensively and what's your overall look here in Mercedes Benz four o'clock Eastern on Saturday?
4: All right. Let me start with, uh, two really good teams. I, I think they deserve their ranking, uh, Georgia's been a bit frustrating this year because they have young receivers. And when you watch them play, I read some Georgia fans said, uh, so let me get this right. We have a chance to win the national championship, and I have really not enjoyed one minute of football all year watching my team play. So <laughs> they've been a little bit frustrating. I get that. But I do think they have the right type of team that could get LSU problems. Uh, you mentioned Auburn. You know, this Georgia team has – I've been saying all year has a bunch of no names on defense because they don't have that maybe one guy, DeAndre Baker type player that we know is an All American. But, you know, the more I watch them, they, maybe they do have a lot of stars. Tyler Clark, Jordan Davis. I'm telling you, Monty Rice and Tay Crowder, their two linebackers, are great football players. J.R. Reed and Richard LeCount will both play in the NFL. They're two outstanding veteran safeties. So um, it's not going to be easy. But I will say that the stats that Georgia has put together this year, uh, amazing defensive stats, a, a bit of an asterisk, just a bit. Um, you can only control who you play, but they have not really faced a quarterback or an offense like they're going to face in this game. They've they faced a lot of backups, a lot of true freshmen, and, and they've overwhelmed those teams. Uh, I think this will be a game where their offense is going to have to score more points. I did the uh, Auburn uh LSU game and LSU moved all over the field just couldn't score they just when they got in the red zone they couldn't put it in the end zone so I think that'll be the challenge for Georgia LSU will put yards on the board can Georgia hold them to field goal attempts instead of touchdowns
3: all right uh so that's uh on Saturday 4 p.m eastern time and in your mind Gary if LSU wins and beats Georgia. Are they going to be number one over Ohio State when the college football rankings come out?
4: In my mind, they should be. uh, Because I think that between the two teams, there's a sliver of difference. And I think they've had a better overall season. And I think the SEC is a shade better conference than the Big Ten. So I have to go with the, the nod here for LSU. And it's an important nod because the first seed this year is an important seed.
3: Yeah, I agree with you there.
5: Gary. And, and,
6: uh, yeah, go, go ahead, Jamie.
5: I was going to ask um, just as, as, a, as a fun question, a lot has been made um, about, you know, when you call games, different fan bases say, well, he doesn't like my team. He likes the other team. <laughs> right, what, right. what do you have to say to those people who are just, you know, completely convinced that you are biased against their team and are rooting <laughs> for the other team?
4: Well, I wish I could root sometimes, but it's not doesn't go with the job, you know. But uh, sometimes I am surprised at how people can hear it differently than I'm trying to communicate. I just I guess i got to do a better job of doing that. I, I will say this, that all of these fans in this conference take their football really seriously. And the way they hear it is part of that passion that makes the conference so great. I just try to grind I really do and I try to stay as blunt as I can about both teams and I guess uh, they hear it from me a little bit different And I don't let it bother me at all I I don't the reason I don't read it is because I it's not because I don't care they have their right it's because I don't want it to affect me I wanna do my calls the way I see it and just let it go I'm afraid sometimes if I start reading this stuff everybody likes to be liked you know and i may shape my stuff in a different way so i've been doing a long time this way and i I don't know how much longer i have but i think i'm going to stick to my method here (laughs) the
3: unbiased (laughs) gary danielson will be on the call this saturday 4 p.m eastern time on cbs georgia lsu gary always a pleasure thanks for the insight thanks for coming on and joining us on at the wind
4: hey you guys do a great job sean drew jamie thank you very much
2: Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we wrap up the first hour of the show, here's what you missed. I did want to uh, ask you about the Saturday
6: game you will be calling there in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, 4 o'clock Eastern, talking Georgia Bulldogs versus the LSU Tigers. Um, breaking this game down, you know, LSU in terms of the teams they've struggled with, you know, the Auburn game, 23 to 20, only winning by a field goal at home. When you talk about profile and Georgia's defense, possibly being there uh, kind of in line there with Auburn's defense. Do you think Georgia can give them as much trouble defensively? And what's your overall look here in Mercedes-Benz, four o'clock Eastern on Saturday?
4: All right, let me start with uh, two really good teams. I, I think they deserve their ranking. uh Georgia's been a bit frustrating this year because they have young receivers. And when you watch them play, I read some Georgia fan said, uh, so let me get this right, we have a chance to win the national championship and I have really not enjoyed one minute of football all year watching my team play. (laughs) So they've been a little bit frustrating. I get that. But I do think they have the right type of team that could get LSU problems. Uh, You mentioned Auburn. You know, this Georgia team has – I've been saying all year has a bunch of no-names on defense because they don't have that maybe one guy, DeAndre Baker-type player that we know is an All-American. But, you know, the more I watch them, maybe they do have a lot of stars. Tyler Clark, Jordan Davis, I'm telling you, Monty Rice and Tay Crowder, two linebackers, are great football players. J.R. Reed and Richard LeCount, will both play in the NFL. They're two outstanding veteran safeties. So um, it's not going to be easy. But I will say that the stats that Georgia has put together this year, uh, amazing defensive stats, a, a bit of an asterisk, just a bit. Um, you can only control who you play, but they have not really faced a quarterback or an offense like they're going to face in this game. They've they faced a lot of backups, a lot of true freshmen, and, and they've overwhelmed those teams. Uh, I think this will be a game where their offense is going to have to score more fo- points. I did the uh, Auburn uh, LSU game and LSU moved all over the field just couldn't score They just when they got in the red zone they couldn't put it in the end zone so I think that'll be the challenge for Georgia LSU will put yards on the board can Georgia hold them to field goal attempts instead of touchdowns and we'll be
2: right back with more fantasy sports today hour number two if you're listening live or if you're listening on demand this is FNTSY radio Craig Mish, fantasy sports today